0: Hi, Sam. Hi, Lauren. Are you ready to talk about our new movie, Hook? I am, because after all, we are the Watchers of Movies.
1: (laughs) Pandemic sucks.
0: (laughs) Yes, we've had technical difficulties regarding Zoom, everyone
1: murder zoom (laughs) yeah yeah well anyway yeah it's bumming me out this whole thing's bumming me out yeah it's pretty
0: hard anyway i think we've sorted out our technical difficulties for now so that's good and we can record over zoom and we have a
1: fun show i think so do you want to do the mini topic or you want to talk a little more let's do the mini
0: topic so I had a lot of fun with this topic. So let me say the topic first. And okay. It's, so you thought of this topic and I think it's really good. And it's, um, what historical story would you make into a movie and how would you cast it? Yes. And there's a movie that's been bouncing around in my head for ages, years, years okay. and years that I think would make a really cool movie and i'm excited to talk about it and the story it's the story of king david from the bible okay now withhold your judgments please because i think bible movies have so many pitfalls and i think that in the hands of a bad director it would not be a good movie it would not be compelling and the thing about the story of david is that his life was bonkers But something, one of the reasons, like the number one reason that I think it would be a good movie because there's a verse, everybody, I mean, most people anecdotally or whether they've read the story or they just know it anecdotally, they know the story of David and Goliath, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. it crosses all genres and there's a verse in the story of David and Goliath. So David is a boy. I don't know how old he is. Let's say like probably 13, 14, somewhere in there. And he's going to the, the battle to bring his brother's food and Goliath is taunting the Israelite army and David is like no one's taking care of this guy I'm gonna take care of this guy and King Saul comes up to him and he's like David Goliath has been learning to be a a warrior since he was a kid since he was younger than you probably you're not gonna defeat this guy by yourself and David's and this is the verse that always makes me like it evokes so much imagination in me and David says to King Saul I'm a shepherd when a lion comes or a bear comes and tries to steal my sheep. I fight lions and I fight bears and I've killed them and I can kill this Philistine who's taunting our armies and I can take care of him. And that verse is so evocative to me to think about a young boy who maybe if you look at him just looks like a, like a strong kid, but he's actually fought off wild animals. And I think that's so cool. And I love that. And also, like, he's, like, described as, like, super good-looking, and he's had, like, this wild, violent, romantic, insane life, and I think it would be such a cool story, and I think it would appeal to people who maybe know the story very well and for people who maybe don't know the story. I think a good director could make it appealing to all audiences, and the pitfalls of Bible movies is they either are given – a budget of five dollars. So they get terrible (laughs) actors and this the scenery looks really lame and it's just like and, and it's not compelling. And also something that really bothers me is that every Bible story, the characters are so serious all the time. And that drives me nuts. Or there's like forced inspiration. Like, this is a Bible story, so you have to be inspired.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I hate the forced inspiration. I'm like, stop. I will be inspired if you inspire me. But until then, (laughs) yeah. I refuse to be inspired. (laughs) And there's
0: so many. And also, it goes in a different direction where they make them so bombastic, like the Noah movie, which I thought was awful. Oh, my God. That movie
1: was garbage.
0: Like, I mean, a story about a flood flooding the world is pretty crazy in itself so you don't need to add too much to it but I feel like in Noah they were like it's not it's not enough we have to add to it and I and also it fell into the same trap where all the characters were so serious and it's so painful because I don't care if you were in the ancient world or in 1600, or 1890, or 2020, people are people, and we laugh, and we cry, and we fall in love, and we are wild, and we are somber, and we are, you know what I mean? Like, humans have a range of emotions, and Bible story humans should have no different than any today, and I agree. Catherine Hardwick directed a movie called The Nativity Story, and I think she got about as close as possible to making a good story. Wait, did she
1: do... Um Zero Dark Thirty or am I thinking of someone else?
0: Oh boy now you're putting me on the spot. I think she might have I know she did the movie Thirteen and but she did, like the nativity story is really good because it, it's just telling the story of the birth of Christ and it's just basically taking the story and telling it it falls into the same trap of having all the characters be super serious but like Oscar Isaac is in it and Keisha oh. Castle-Hughes who is Oscar nominated and you know, it's just it's just it gives me hope that a good director could make a good story that will be appealing to, as I said, people who know it and people who don't know it. Do you Did you ever see "One
1: Night with the King? Oh, I did. That's also pretty good as well. That's it. Okay. That's I was, one, but... I was wondering how you felt about that because I always love that movie, and I like the girl in it because she's like, she's maybe not the best actress, but she's so cute and likable and bubbly that I'm like, I can't help but like fall in love with her. You know? I actually I know what you mean, and I think. Um... Maybe I'll watch that movie later.
0: <laughs> I think that movie that falls. <laughs> that movie falls more into the latter end for me, where it's like the budget. I wish the budget could have been more, and then maybe they could have elevated it. But I agree with you. That's also a a good example of a movie done better than most.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, it had a beautiful set. You know. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Okay. I just,
0: I um, yeah. I just, I wish that somebody would make it. And I wish that they would just I mean, like I said, there's a lot of pitfalls and it's it's a murky, it's murky waters making a a Bible based movie, but I think so I think Steven Spielberg and John Williams could probably make a pretty good one. That's my director. <laughs> Those musical. are direct.
1: I like it. Um I like that's it.
0: A, because I, I think he uh he knows how to pull out something pretty good and so here's my casting. Uh, okay. So David was, a, I didn't even have to think about this. Reza Ahmed would play David for sure. Okay,
1: I like it. That's a good oh, one. This was actually really
0: fun for me because I wanted to find all Middle Eastern cast as yes! well. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and um, so David's story covers lots of time. And mm-hmm. so people are in and out. So I just did a. I just did a casting for like, uh, for six people okay. that I could think of, but obviously there's the the cast is gonna be gigantic and all Middle Eastern, I hope, but for yes. me at least. So Riz Ahmed, no questions. Um King Saul, I chose Naveen Andrews, and I don't know if you know him. He's from the show Lost. Uh
1: oh yeah, yeah. Okay, he's got curly dark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I think he yeah. would be
0: a good King Saul. And Goliath was kind of fun for me. Um, so there's I was trying to think like who's a really big Middle Eastern act like a large like not like famous but like large right and there's this WWE wrestler that I've actually seen Mike and I went to see Smackdown live and I've seen him in person he's very tall and he has kind of a snarly face and his name is Jinder Mahal
1: okay hold on I'm going look these up. Up.
0: <laughs> you said Ginger Mahal Jinder with a d
1: didn't what is that
0: Jinder- how
1: do you spell- J-I-N-D-E-R Oh, he's spooky looking.
0: I think he would be a good
1: Goliath. And yeah, um, yeah, I can see that big time. And I, enormous.
0: Yeah, and I and he's got kind of like a a mean face because I like yeah. I know he's not Middle Eastern. The Rock went through my head. He's not Middle Eastern. He's Samoan, but his face is too nice to be yeah Goliath. No, The like, Rock he looks always too plays friendly. Like-
1: yeah. The Rock always plays like really nice characters, like not really nice characters, but overall, I don't think I've ever seen a movie where I'm like, The Rock is an evil guy, you know? Right.
0: Yeah. So anyway, Jinder Mahal. Okay. And then obviously, Gal Gadot would play Bathsheba.
1: Okay. Um,
0: <laughs> and Rami Malek would play Samuel, the prophet.
1: Okay. Wait, Robbie, what was it?
0: Rami Malek, he played Freddie Mercury. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, I know. 100. Yeah, okay,
1: yeah, I, yeah, I like that. And good then um,
0: David had a friend named Jonathan, and I thought Mena Massoud from Aladdin
1: would okay, be okay. Yeah, writer. I like that. That's a good cat. I'm really proud of you. You did a good job. You did thank a good you. job. And I had fun. You know what? All people of color that aren't white. Thank God. Yeah, <laughs> like, and it's yeah. that's how it's supposed to be because As- it took place in the Middle East. Yes. Um I okay, so I really like yours. I um I think you did a really good job with the casting. I thank you. It's good. It's really good.
0: Thank you. I had a lot of fun. And like I said, I've actually been thinking that his life would be his story would be a really good movie for a long time. But as I said before, I, I don't know I don't know if someone could it do right it justice. It. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: It's what good. is
1: yours? I'm very excited. Um, mine is the friendship between Marilyn Monroe and Ella Fitzgerald.
0: I've never heard this story before.
1: <laughs> so I heard it one time on Drunk History and I loved it. And um, I was thinking about it and I was deciding that I wanted to do it. And so my casting is, and I really only have like, like three people. So let me tell the story first and then I'll I'll do the casting and the uh, director. Okay? okay. Yes. Okay. So Marilyn Monroe, Monroe was a huge fan of jazz and something that bothered her about jazz performers is that they were black, but they were not allowed to perform in white only clubs. And if they did, they weren't allowed to drink at the bar, or like mingle with fans. So, um, you know, she wanted to become a more serious actress and like work on her, her singing and stuff like that. And her voice co- coach told her that she should listen to Ella Fitzgerald's record if she wanted to learn how to sing. And so she buys the record and she listens and she's like in love with it. She's like, oh my God, Ella Fitzgerald's got such a great voice. Like, I, 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 I love her. And um, she finds out that Ella is not allowed to play at the big clubs because of the way she looks. Like she's too chubby. She's too black. She's not elegant enough, whatever. So Marilyn calls up the Macombo Club. And she says, listen, I love this girl. If you let her sing at your club, every time Ella's on stage, I will sit in the front row every night, and I'll bring my friends, and you can take as many pictures of, as you want of me. And so the Macambo Club calls up Ella Fitzgerald and invites her to perform, and they ask her to perform for two weeks, but because she was so popular that they actually extended it another week. And... um. And one night, Marilyn went backstage and she introduced herself to Ella Fitzgerald and they connected on this like intense soul level because they had these tragic, horrible childhoods. Like Ella Fitzgerald had, um, her mother passed away when she was 15 and her stepfather was abusive and she went to live with her aunt in Harlem and had to like leave school to make money and was like working as like a brothel, like lookout. Um, and Marilyn had... Uh, grown up in the great depression and she didn't know her dad and her mom was like mentally unstable and so she was and she was subjected to sexual abuse so they connected with each other and they um, you know both talked about how they were not accepted in society and the entertainment industry because of like the way that they looked and everything and they became really good friends and unfortunately Marilyn Monroe tragically passed away when she was pretty young. She was like 36. And when she passed away, Alla Fitzgerald said, I owe Marilyn Monroe, and I'm quoting this. So I <laughs> and I quote, I owe Marilyn Monroe a great debt. She personally called the owner of the Macambo and she told him she wanted me booked immediately. And if he would do it, she would take a front table every night. She told him, and it was true due to Marilyn's superstar status that the press would go wild. The owner said yes, and Marilyn was there front table every night. The press went overboard. After that, I never had to play a small jazz club again. She was an unusual woman, a little ahead of her times, and she didn't even know it, end quote. Oh, that's
0: awesome. Yeah. That's such a
1: cool story. I love it. I've never heard that. I know. Isn't that great? Yes. So my casting... Um, I think in Drunk History, Gabori Sidibe plays Elephants Fitzgerald, and I think she's great as her. So, I would oh. her. yeah, um, I think that they should do an unknown for Marilyn Monroe, but if they can't, I think Margot Robbie could do a decent Marilyn Monroe. I agree. I think yeah. for sure. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And the Macombo Club owner would be Michael Shannon. Of course. <laughs> he kind of plays a yeah. dick. Yeah. And yeah. the casting and the director would be Cameron Crowe. <gasps> oh yeah because the yeah. music yes yep. yep so that's mine I love that that's awesome that's they, such a cool story they should I definitely know. make a movie about right? that that's awesome um and this is such a beautiful story and these is a friendship between these two women who are from different worlds but really are not that different at all mm-hmm. and it's Every and it's time a story I worry like, about women,
0: which is cool.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, and I think it shows a sign of Marilyn Monroe too, because everyone sees her as so sexualized, but she was a person. I mean, she she struggled with um like drug addiction. That's how she ended up dying is an overdose on pills. So it's like she was just a human, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's really important to show that side of a vulnerable woman who, despite being, you know, one of the most, um, like the most, probably the most famous sex icon, sex symbol icon in um, our Hollywood history, she was a person. Right. And that was it, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, and, and Ella Fitzgerald's got such a legend too, that she's like, why wouldn't we want to hear about her you know why wouldn't we want to hear about this extraordinary woman that had this beautiful voice so yeah that's good yes I love that that's really cool me too me too I thought you would like it that's why I was like it's gonna be a
0: surprise (laughs) I do really like it I love stories like that I love stories that make it kind of goes hand in hand with what I said about how like people in the ancient world, people from the Bible were humans and they have emotions. It's the same thing. Like famous people are humans. They have emotions, you know? Yeah, exactly. I love stories that show human emotion, human experience and human emotion. And, you know, I love performances, I guess I should say. And, and, And I think that's so important. And I think that elevates any story, any movie, is to remember that the person you're watching, especially if they were a real person... Yeah. It
1: was a person, like they. I know. Yeah, they felt, they dreamed, they hurt. You know, I mean, yeah, they suffered. Like, I think it's 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 just such a shame that there's like a kind of a fear to ex- really like show. Um, I think there's. How am I trying to say this? I think there's a big fear with like directors and stuff to kind of show this vulnerable side especially of women when I don't understand why there would be because it makes the audience so much more connected to these characters and these people to see like oh hey this person experienced the same things that I did we got
0: we got to talk about this movie are we ready I'm ready I'm ready to talk
1: about Hook Hook all right so What did you think of the movie? (laughs) Well, first, I have to say
0: thank you to Nicole again. Oh, yes. Thank you, Nicole. Nicole recommended Ever After last week and Hook that we're doing this week. So thank you, Nicole. My dad's calling
1: me real quick. Hold on. Oh, okay.
0: Anyway. (sighs) All right.
1: Anyway. Let's get started. Let's get started again. Okay. So what did you think about the movie? I will say that
0: my reaction to Hook was a little bit different than my reaction to Ever After. <laughs> Same, <laughs> so, though, honestly. <laughs> um, I was shocked to find out that this is a Steven Spielberg, John Williams joint. Yep. And the reason it shocked me, for number one, is because I did not think the score was that memorable. Mm-hmm. Like, the score was not sticking out to me. But I saw that it was an Amblin Entertainment production, so I looked up. Well, the movie had been going for a couple of minutes, and I'm like, Amblin Entertainment, I wonder if John Williams did the score. And I'm a big John Williams fan. And when I saw that he did, I went, hmm, not his best work. Not because it's bad, just because it's not memorable. But something interesting happened in this movie that happened organically and that I have not experienced hardly ever. And that is the last time, I mean, I saw this movie when it was new and it came out in 1991. So I was seven years old and I saw it probably a few times in that span between like seven and 10 years old. I probably saw it a few times because I know I really liked it when I was a kid, but then I didn't watch it ever again. So today, like not today, like two days ago would have been the first time I'd seen it since let's say 1993. So like. Yeah, like 27 years. And things like memories came rushing back as I was watching it. And it was interesting because the scene where the little boys at the baseball game in the beginning, like memories came flooding back when the music started in that scene. And so even though the score itself doesn't stand out, it was interesting to get these memories and it was interesting to get flashbacks of child Samantha and remembering scenes in the movie that maybe went over my head, like humor that went over my head or moments in the movie that I thought were confusing or scary as a child that I never reconciled until today when I'm watching it. And I understand what's going on more. And that was fascinating. And I wish I could recreate that experience, but I I don't think I can. It has to happen organically because there's not been very many movies that I've had such a gap in where I can remember my child brain watching it and like bridge the gap with an adult brain and I and that was fascinating to me and I don't know if you know what I'm talking about but there's like I do interesting
1: there were there were a couple scenes where I laughed out loud and um me as an adult thought it was funny but me as a child would have never understood that yeah ever yes like there were some scenes where I was like whoa I can't believe they just said that <laughs> yeah I mean? yeah
0: like there's some adult humor that
1: they I could. know wouldn't have made sense to me um no I I agree oh yeah there okay so there's one scene that I was like oh ew." <laughs> because it was when Tinkerbell was first introduced to Peter again. And he says, and I quote, I wrote this down. Like I paused it to write it down. You're a Freudian hallucination having something to do with my mother. And I don't know why you have wings, but you have very lovely legs. I knew you were were going to say that. I was like, Oh my, like I was like, that's a weird line. Oedipal, like really Oedipal? Like, and I was disturbed. Like, it, I was like, (laughs) ew.
0: Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, I definitely would not have understood that line when I was young. And also, why would they have him
1: say that? Yeah, well, okay, so let's let's start talking about that because I think it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty consistent theme throughout the movie is um, the relationship between like a mother type because he talks, Peter talks about, okay, so like, okay, (laughs) they're going to London because Grandma Wendy is being given this award for like helping all these kids, these orphans find new homes, right? And it's, a very sweet, like emotional thing, but Peter is returning to this place where Wendy was kind of like a mother figure to him, but she also grew up with him at the same time, like before she got older. And their relationship, and if anyone is familiar with the J.M. Barry story of Peter Pan, Peter and Wendy have a little bit of a romance. So he had a romance with Wendy when she was a child and he was also a child and then he like left Neverland and he came to her and um he's you know like he visited her all the time and as she was growing older and then he falls in love with her granddaughter and marries her (laughs) granddaughter so and there's like a scene between him and between him and Wendy when they're like almost about to kiss, like it's uh, very bizarre. Like it's so bizarre. There's thing wait, there's this
0: TikTok thing that's happening right now. Do you remember that song for the late nineties that was like how bizarre, how bizarre? Dear dear. you said so <laughs> bizarre in my head, I was like, How bizarre? How bizarre!
1: Okay, <laughs>
0: because I've been watching a lot of TikToks, so I've been hearing that like snippets from that song Ooh, over baby. and over again, and
1: oh, baby. that scene.
0: There's a bunch of scenes that are pertaining to what you're talking about that made me like go, oh, oh. and yeah, so. Too. Wendy, as an old woman, as Maggie Smith, and I mean no disrespect when I say this, but she kind of reminds me of my kindergarten teacher who looked like a very old woman when I was in kindergarten, and I just saw on Facebook, and she's still alive, and I thought I, I thought she was like 95 when I was in kindergarten, because <laughs> okay. she looked super old, and Maggie Smith looked just as old as she looks now in
1: 1991 (laughs) and i was thinking the same thing i was like has maggie smith just always looked like she's old because it's been 30 years so you're assuming she's maybe like in her 80s now i would say maybe like late 80s early 90s um so it's like she was in her like 50s or 60s in that movie And she looked like she was in her 90s in that movie. Yeah, she's
0: like Wilford Brimley, who just, you know, came out of the womb looking like an old man. Like, she's probably, (laughs) she was like, it's impressive. Like, everybody should use the Maggie Smith diet. I mean, (laughs) once you get to be elderly, because I mean, you know. But I just, like, so anyway, so she's, she's talking to Peter when she has this, like, episode after Hook came and steals the children and Peter doesn't know what's going on still. And she's like, I, I was going to get married and I thought you were going to run down the aisle and stop the wedding. And when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, I definitely didn't pick that up when I was a kid. Like, what? No. So they were, he was in love with her in some capacity or she thought he was. Right. And then later in the movie, it gets even weirder where it shows Peter coming into the nursery and she's Maggie Smith. Wendy right. is there. And Peter's like, hubba hubba, who's that girl sleeping in that bed? And she's like, That's my granddaughter.
1: Yeah, he was a child still at that point. Right? Yeah. And
0: she's like, That's my granddaughter. And he's like, I think I'll kiss her. And I thought, What's happening in this movie? <laughs> like, and so and she's like, No, Peter, don't kiss her. I don't want her to fall in love with you. And
1: I was like, That's the reason you don't want him to kiss your sleeping granddaughter. What yeah, is I w- happening? <laughs> I was like, You should have way more issues with the fact. (laughs) That he wants to kiss your unconscious granddaughter, who cannot like consent to being kissed, like (laughs) other than the fact that (laughs) you don't want her to. And then I wonder, I wonder. So is their
0: whole love story tainted because? It seems like that must have been a very powerful kiss because she was sleeping when it happened, but then apparently they were in love and they got married. But is she under some sort of weird Peter Pan spell? Because I don't like that storyline, and I, I think it's
1: really Wait, Are you talking just, about Moira being under yeah, like Yeah. Okay.
0: Like, what, what would make... Oh, well, I guess, like, kissing her. It's weird also, like, a very subtle storyline about loss of innocence that I definitely wouldn't have picked up on when I was a kid and but in the like the almost like the weirdest ways like don't kiss you'll lose your innocence and I think that's really weird and I don't care for that either like I would think they could portray like a loss of innocence in a slightly less like it feels dirty to me because I don't like I don't like putting, I don't like making kissing or sexual things evil. I don't like I don't either. That. And I think that that's not the right way to go about showing him like decide, like starting to grow up. Because I, I think that puts like a, a dirty taint on it. Like, oh, he kissed her and now he's not innocent anymore and he must become human again. And I, I think like, eh, I don't care for that.
1: I don't, I've talked to people before about um, like characters I've written and I've said like they're, you know, like a very romantic person or they really like, you know, being with people, but they're innocent. And they were like, well, they're not innocent because they've had sex. And I was like, since when does sex and innocence have any, like, you can still be a sexual person but have like a pure and innocent side to you. Like it's, I think purity is so associated with sexuality and it's like, But why? It's a totally human and natural thing to want to have sex with someone because that's how we procreate. That's how we make the world go round and we bring new people into the world. So why would, I guess I just don't understand why people equate um, like, yeah, kissing and sexuality with purity and innocence. Because in my mind, they shouldn't be, they're not, what is that word? Um, What's that word that I always look up and I can't remember? I wish that I knew
0: but unfortunately I don't. You
1: can't read mutually my mind. Mutually
0: exclusive? Is that what you Yes, saying? Yes, okay. yes.
1: That's exactly so it. So I guess no. I did know. <laughs> you did know. You can read this my The whole mind. time. They they're, they're, they're <laughs> not mutually exclusive and I always question myself as to whether or not I get that right. No, but, I know. Uh,
0: I question myself about that as well and I I've also looked it up because I think am I using this correctly? Yeah.
1: Like, I looked I've looked it up several times and each time I'm like how do you use that again? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. And I,
0: I think, and I agree with you. Cause I think a much better way to show him wanting to grow up, like he could see her and decide that he was intrigued by her and decide to stay in the real world and maybe get wrapped up in the like trappings of like greed and, and, and hoarding, and you know what I mean. Those are more of like a loss of innocence experience. I think, like wanting to be like top dog in his company and things like that, could more accurately show why he grew up instead of a kiss. Because you're right. Like humans are sexual. We're sexual beings.
1: Right, and, and also, you're you're saying okay. Sorry to interrupt you, but also that's a child. That we're talking about a child who doesn't understand who has lived in Neverland for his whole life, does not is not going to know what sex is. Yeah, like they're they're not even going to probably ever even hear the word before. And secondly, like in Neverland, there's almost all men in that place. I noticed that, (laughs) like, yeah, only the real only really the only females are Tinkerbell are like these cryptids so like the yeah the little, mermaids like, and, yeah and the yeah. mermaids so it's interesting that all the humans are male but the all the cryptids are female and like i
0: really i really like um i really really i'm a i'm actually a big fan of the disney cartoon peter pan mm-hmm. i always have been and when i was a kid i really really liked tiger lily i thought she was so cool
1: and i, I was kind tiger of lily disappointed
0: that she she wasn't really in this movie Because I I think like she's such a cool character and she's not a cryptid, you know. No, she's not,
1: you're right. But she wasn't
0: in this movie. Probably because I mean, this movie was so so full. They could have cut out like yeah, 45 minutes of it, and I think it would have been better. It's too long. And
1: I agree. Yeah.
0: I'm probably actually it's probably good that they didn't include Tiger Lily, but I always liked her character.
1: I from what I remember, I liked her too. Um I haven't seen the cartoon in like forever, but um, I've seen Hook a bunch of times. It's It has been a long time since the last time I had seen it. So it was kind of like, I was kind of having the same experience you were, where I was like, wow. Like, as I've said before, there's a lot of stuff that went over my head as a kid. And as an adult, I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs>
0: there's this there's this other scene that comes to mind that sort of goes along with what we were talking about. And when I was a kid, I thought some mysterious force, like took him away in his carriage like when it shows the flashback where he's like and i don't know if this is like an homage to the battleship potemkin where you see like the pram going downstairs or what but you know you see his pram like rolling away as a baby and i always thought that like captain hook stole him when i was a kid i remember this because i it like i couldn't really explain the scene it was just supernatural but then it's even weirder now that I know what was happening. Where he hears his mother talking about, oh, he's going to be an investment banker like his father, and as a baby he just
1: decides to run away. And I, and yeah, like, what? I, wrote that down, what? I, I wrote down What? I wrote down. Let's see. Um, where is this? I have a lot. Oh yeah. I said, how could infant Peter possibly understand death and growing up? Also his shitty mom didn't even notice he was missing. He just rolled away from her and she's like, I'm just going to keep talking to my friend over here. And like, you can't hear the, like, and also like his pram was sitting like five feet away from her. She should have like been like looking at him and instead you know, he's like I didn't want to grow up and I didn't want to do this and so he just like decided to leave as an infant somehow and I I really like I kind of wish they hadn't included that scene because to me it was a little ridiculous and I I was like a little I, ridiculous a lot ridiculous but also it didn't really add To the movie in any way, I thought. I didn't think it was essential to the story. Like, I didn't think it was really essential to have this explanation as to why he went to Neverland because I don't think it's necessary, like, for you to have a a history behind why he is in Neverland. You can just accept that he was just born there. He just lived there. You know what I mean? Like, it's not.
0: Yeah, like, Neverland is a magical land. So, I find it really weird to think that like a baby who just doesn't want to become a banker can just will himself to Neverland. And that really takes a lot of the magic away from the story. It does. And I don't like it at all. Yeah. And also, no. also something that bothered me in addition to that was there's nothing wrong with a mother wanting her baby to be successful. So I know that like the, maybe like the underlying subtle message was that he didn't want to have a boring life but what came across was like i don't want to be successful i don't want to do the same (laughs) job as my dad and i'm a baby and i'm already like he's already acting like like he's like 16 and he's like slamming the door as his parents like i don't want to be a baker mom there's nothing you can do about it (laughs) so i just i agree with you i wish that that just wasn't in the movie i wish that maybe like like you said like he just is in neverland but then something pulls him into the human
1: world. Right. And I mean, it makes sense that you don't have to, there isn't a lot of explanation needed as to why he comes to the human world, because he comes there for Wendy, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But again, it's like, it's not an explanation that's needed because you're right. It's a magical story. So it's like, (laughs) like, yeah. if you're explaining every single aspect of magic and why it happens, it's not going to be magical anymore. It's just going to be like science or a biography at that point. (laughs) It's just like, and so bizarre. It's like. So bizarre. So bizarre.
0: (laughs) I thought of, um, I thought of a good tagline for this movie. Yeah. So picture the poster. Here's the poster, okay? And it says, hook. And then the tagline says, prepare yourself for something very grim. Peter Pan becomes an asshole. (laughs) I know for a fact that when I was seven years old, I thought that people in offices all acted like they had mental problems because everybody (laughs) he worked with was, like, I don't know if they were, like, Stepford office people, but they were obsessed with him, and they could not... They lost their minds when he had that, like, Old West cell phone battle with his, like... Yeah, coworker. I know. And then he's getting into the, the elevator, and he's, like, talking about how he's nervous to fly, and they were, like, don't let your wings get tired, or don't let your arms get tired, and it was, like... They all smoked something before going to work that day, because I... I know, as a kid, I was like offices look fun, <laughs> and now as an adult, if people I worked with acted like that, I'd be like, I work with, I work at in an insane asylum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I know that part. Uh, I agree with that part where they're all like, "Don't let your arms get tired." I was like, "What is wrong with everyone?" <laughs> like, I was, and they all like said it in unison. It was like they all prepared to say this thing just in case he says he doesn't like to fly. Like, it, I whatever i mean that's it's not really essential to the story but you're right everyone was like obsessed with peter in that building and it was it was so weird like it's just it was so bizarre (laughs) um (laughs)
0: also um, something kind of interesting the his wife in this movie um the actress which i had pulled up but then i Carolyn Goodall. Yes, she um she's been in a couple of movies. She was in a movie called White Squall that I've always really loved. Uh-huh. And she, you know, she's been in a couple of movies, so it was kind of fun to see her um and the little boy was in Can't Hardly Wait. He played the the nerd in Can't Hardly Wait. Oh my
1: god, he did. Yeah, Charlie. Oh my, that's something so it's funny that you mentioned that Carolyn Goodall because that's how I found that trailer that I was talking about with the guy that plays Dracula. Like, oh really? That's how I stumbled upon that because, yeah, because I was looking at something and then I saw I saw that and I was like, that's the guy that plays Dracula. <laughs> and I was like, oh. he's so good looking. And so then I clicked on it, and that's how I ended up watching the trailer because I think she was in it, and uh, it didn't look good. And I can't even remember what it's called. And I don't care oh. enough, but Charlie Corsmo. Klaus Bang. I'm not really sure. To okay, that's interesting. I didn't realize that he was in that. Yeah, what were you saying? What was funny. the movie title? I don't remember. Oh, I the Bay. It. Something about the Bay. I thought I talked of silence. It. I think maybe I'm still no. talking it's over called you. <laughs> the Bay of Silence. <laughs> it's like I ask you a question and then I just keep talking. No, <laughs> sorry. Anyway, the guy from Dracula, and if anyone wants to watch the show, it's nothing special. The first episode's pretty great, but the rest is kind of crap, but um, his name is Klaus Bang, I think, or something like that, C-L-A-E-S Bang, and he's very good looking. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta get a look at this
0: guy. One time Mike and I were at a bar. And we were sitting at a booth. So my back, like he was facing you a
1: picture of, of him to you. Go ahead.
0: He was facing the bar area and I was in a booth. So my back was to the bar and I kept hearing women. Like I heard one woman go, Steven. And then I heard another woman going, Stephen, Stephen. And then I heard like three or four more women, like two or three more women going, Stephen. And I said to Mike, I got to get a look at this guy because <laughs> every girl <laughs> wants his attention. And I turned around and I don't know if I ever saw him, but.
1: <laughs> oh, that's disappointing. Um, let's see. I think I have a picture saved somewhere on my phone.
0: Um, So I don't think Julia Roberts was very good casting.
1: I didn't care for her. No, Job. I didn't think. I, even as a kid, I didn't like Tinkerbell. I've really? never, I've never liked Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell always annoyed me.
0: I liked her because I like how jealous she is over Peter Pan, and I think that's that's something that I really enjoy.
1: Um, <laughs> Why, if you don't mind me asking? Well, because I think like.
0: I empathize with her because her and Peter have this fun, like adventurous, beautiful friendship relationship. You know, they rely on each other and they're buddies and they do all kinds of stuff together. But then Wendy comes in the picture and he is like enamored with Wendy. And Tinkerbell is kind of jealous of that. And I I, I think that's interesting. And I really like that. And, um, And then the scene where like, Peter Pan, in the cartoon, where Peter Pan, like, tells her that, like, I think she gets really injured, and he's like, you're my best friend, Tink, you know, and and I, I really think that's, like, beautiful sentiment, and I've always liked that, and I think, like, I think Julia Roberts was chosen for her star power, and I don't like that. I wish that they would have chosen somebody less because I don't mind Julia Roberts. I know some people have a problem with her, but I don't mind her, but I don't like her in this role. I think they should have done somebody, uh, less known and somebody like blonde. And I know like, oh, another blonde actress, but Tinkerbell is blonde. And I wish that they would have just did a blonde Tinkerbell instead of like an Auburn you know and she's yeah. wearing like brown clothing and tinkerbell wore green clothing because Tinkerbell's a fairy and fairies are like earthy and natural no well i guess brown is earthy she, fairies are like foresty you know they're like well plant. she looks
1: kind of dirty yeah like, yeah like the brown makes her look dirty for some reason
0: yeah like fairies hang out around flowers so right. that's why tinkerbell was wearing green and so i i wish that they would have done that instead, and, um, and I just, yeah, I don't care for, like, I don't, I don't care for Julia Roberts, like, acting cutesy, didn't think she did a good job,
1: I mean. I don't think so either, yeah. and I think that's probably why I didn't like it, but um, I didn't, I, I didn't like her, I've never liked her, even as a kid, I didn't like how her. How come,
0: how come you don't like her?
1: Um, I thought she was kind of annoying, it, it was, like, what you said, like, she was, she was acting really cutesy, but it felt, it didn't feel like authentically cutesy, you know, like some people can be like, oh, you're like, oh, they're so cute. And it's a very natural kind of cutesy. But with her, it was like, what are you doing, Julia? What are, you, what are we doing here? You know, and yeah. um, and also I really the scene where she becomes like a um, like a normal size person, like a human size person, Oh, really creeped me the fuck out yeah like
0: then suddenly she becomes sexualized in neverland yeah where i didn't think people were like at least the lost boys i know hook and his cronies were kind of sexualized because they had those like
1: prostitutes like there was like a brothel in that little area you know right but oh shit there were human women in there yeah but they were like prostitutes well i mean they're still human (laughs) no i'm not that's i just mean like there's no like there's not like a
0: normal, like quote unquote normal's not the right word. There's not just like a woman. Like okay, yeah,
1: yeah, I get what you mean. I go, yeah, they're doing you're right. like, they're like yeah, they're sexualized, right? Um but I I like all of a sudden she's like, I've just
0: like she really wants to kiss him and like be romantic with him. And I thought, did that's not their relationship. Like no, they're kids, well, like they're children. She's a child fairy or whatever, and he's a
1: child. I don't think she would even harbor those feelings. I don't think so either. But also like my question is, so she became like a human size. And then in my mind, and even as a kid, I remember thinking this, that like her first thought was that she wanted to have sex with Peter. Yeah. And I was like. What? No. I'm like, he's supposed to be recovering his innocence because he had been such a dick for so long. Yeah. And so now suddenly we're going to sexualize Tinkerbell like that. I thought was really bizarre. Um, yes, I agree. And
0: I think actually Meg Ryan would have been a good Tinkerbell. I could see that in 1991. That.
1: For sure. Yeah, I could totally see that. She's cutesy. Yeah,
0: and don't um, make them sexualize. Like, don't make her want to be with Peter. They're friends. They're best friends.
1: They live in Neverland. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I didn't care for it. No, I, I, yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, Speaking of sexualized, I sent you a picture of that guy.
0: <laughs> I got to get a look at this guy. Let me take a look here. This, This better be worth it. <laughs> Let's see. Who knows if she'll agree with me. Oh, here's the thing. I was expecting a guy that was in my age range. What is he, like 60?
1: <laughs> Let's see.
0: <laughs> I thought here will be a good-looking guy who's like in his mid-40s.
1: But Why Why with me would you ever expect that? I'm guessing – my
0: guess is he's like 56.
1: He's 60 uh, – no, no, no. Sorry. He was born in 67. So – I can't do math, so just give me a second. Someone else who's listening is like, oh, my God, Lauren, I can't believe you can't do math. It's the simplest math. And I'm like, shh. He's 53. All right. Why would you ever expect him to be younger than in his 50s with me? (laughs) I was expecting, like, a
0: steamboat. He's good looking. I mean, like, I can't say. He's not ugly, but I just, you and I have such different tastes. It's funny that I expected it. I expected
1: it to be different. that's all well, I think you know, I think part of it too is that um I don't know if I would have found him appealing. If I hadn't seen him in Dracula, but he was so charming and charismatic oh, as Dracula that I, I was see. like, Ooh, <laughs> I was like, hello, nurse. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, <nurse." laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I, so I don't know. I can't tell you if, if I hadn't seen him in that role, I don't know if I would have, I might've been like, Oh, he's good looking, but I like find him very attractive, but it's definitely because when I saw him as Dracula, he was so charming and charismatic that I was like, I'd let you turn me into a vampire. Ew. 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 Anyway, back to the movie. Back we- to the movie. Oh, I thought Dustin Hoffman was superb. Oh, my God. He was the best part of the movie.
0: Big time. Big and time. And listen,
1: I'm a huge fan of Robin Williams. When he passed away, I actually mourned. But um, Dustin Hoffman is so... I, he is definitely the best part of the movie and he's so funny. Hook is hilarious. Yes. He's actually the only
0: person in the movie that transformed for me.
1: Yes. Everybody else,
0: I was watching. I was watching Robin Williams, I was watching Julia Roberts. Yep. Dustin Hoffman actually was a different character And he was amazing
1: Perfect It's so funny that you say that Because I was thinking that exact same thing When I was watching that I was like Because you had said something about Anne Hathaway In the last one Where you can't see anyone but Anne Hathaway And I was thinking that about Dustin Hoffman I was like that's right. I always forget that Dustin Hoffman is in this movie because he does such a good job at not being Dustin Hoffman. Yes. And yes, yes. He's so good at it that I like it, it, you're right. It like transcends like I'm like, "Oh shit. That's that's Dustin Hoffman." That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um he I love how like fabulous and dramatic he is I thought that that was one like there's that scene where he's holding the gun to his head and he's like don't stop me Smee don't stop me I'm going to do it! I'm gonna kill myself Smee don't stop me Smee Smee, do not stop me Smee (laughs) he's like I've told you do not stop me and then he's like Smee stop me stop me Smee Smee stop me we're doing this I'm like he's I, I agree I I think he's the best part he is. Yeah. He's So I mean that's why it's called Hook, you know? Like it's it's not yeah, really that's a good about point. Peter Pan, it's about Captain Hook. But oddly enough they spend like an
0: exorbitantly long time about Peter talking about Peter Pan and Yeah.
1: in a story that just is so wacky. And it's very wacky. I still love this movie. Don't get me wrong; it's uh, it's very nostalgic for me because I loved it so much as a kid. Um, but as an adult, I have problems with it. I'm not going to lie; I think this movie's problematic. I really don't like the weird kind of sexual relationship between Wendy and Peter. Uh, that made me very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> um, go ahead. There was also
0: something interesting about this movie is I think it's called The Mandala Effect where you remember something but then when you see it again you're like wait a second I've been remembering it all wrong
1: Oh and- like the Berenstain Bears but it actually is Barenstein
0: yeah, Bears <laughs> that sort of thing and I remember it I remember them chanting Rufio so much more than they actually do in the movie like in my head like Rufio was like a big deal when I was a kid and when I'm watching it now I'm like okay, Rufio's in it a little bit and they chant a little bit, but I was imagining like chanting all the time. And that's funny. And did you, you know think-
1: that you, you know that he still has like a huge fan base? Yeah. I think he's got like a cult following. Because yeah, of his he does. People are like, I mean, I can't believe it's been, it's been 30 years at this point, you know, and, and a, less than a month, it'll be 30 years and it's nuts. That's crazy. Yeah,
0: and I remember, like, I can't remember exactly what I thought of him when I was a kid. I think that I thought he was really cool and maybe a little scary <laughs> when I was a yeah. kid. And everybody, and I remember clearly, like, on the playground being like, Rufio, yo, yo, you know, like, because every kid in elementary school saw a Hook. Right. But, yeah, I just
1: remembered so much more chanting, and I did not remember that he died. I didn't remember that either. I totally forgot um it was pretty it, intense it, it is it's intense for like a movie that's supposed to be for kids. There's a lot of stuff in here that is not childish yeah like, it's um it, it's just it's so weird like it it's just like, um. I don't know. <laughs> there's so many there's so many things about it that just are not for children, you know. Yeah. Uh so I no, I did remember what I was going to say is that didn't you think it was bizarre that Tootles was the same age as Wendy but he was a lost boy? Remember Tootles? I lost my marbles. I thought See, that was lost- her little brother. Nope. He was a lost boy. Did I miss that? I think you did. Cause her, her, her brothers were, um, John and Michael. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that is really weird. Yeah. I was like, so I'm wondering because maybe he came back with her when she came back to the real world, but I don't, why would he, that doesn't seem right. Um, Because she came back with her brothers. It doesn't seem like he would have come back too. But that's why I thought he was, I guess I just
0: had it preconceived in my head. And so I didn't even catch that. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. I thought that that was bizarre. And I was wondering maybe if like something about Neverland had affected her aging and she aged a lot slower. So maybe like, maybe it was kind of of like an after effect of magic. Maybe she had like aged slower than like normal and he had aged the like way a normal person would but that doesn't seem like that makes sense either but then again you never really see the lost boys flying so well i think it would make sense
0: because she was a kid when she went to neverland right so he could have been just a few years years younger than her that's true in the natural sense so when they got to the real world he just aged let's say he was like the equivalent of like eight years old and she was like 12. And right, age that way. So I guess
1: that would make sense, but I don't think that's what happened. I think that what happened is she was an adult when he came to the real world. Oh, geez, why did how did I miss that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I I had to look it up to be fair, though. So oh, well, the, yeah. you should have started with that. <laughs> like Samantha's in the movie.
0: I was no, you had to gaslight. look. At- <laughs> I just wanted to gaslight you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's very strange.
1: I thought it was very it was very weird. Um okay, so there's one scene where um Peter first comes to Neverland after like as, as an adult and they dress him up like a pirate. And t- or Tinkerbell dresses him up like a pirate and she's like, "Okay, and then I want you to growl." And he goes Uh, and there's like a pirate that's walking past him and he he goes how are you and he's like great how are you and I lost my shit at that part I thought that was so fucking funny I was like the the humor was so subtle but it was so perfect (laughs) I agree with you I
0: really like that part too and I actually think like to piggyback on what you're saying I felt like as a whole, the movie didn't feel totally like a Spielberg movie because it was kind of a mess. Yeah. But it had clever humor that elevated it. And that's how I was able to tell that somebody really good had made it. Because right. there were elements of it that I think if somebody else had made it and it was the same mess, they wouldn't have redeemed it. But it's elevated because it's clever and it's has some adult humor and it has things like that that that, like... Are like calling cards for like a really good director. So I agree with you that I really like that part as well because his R is so
1: weird, but like other pirates (laughs) fall for it, and I like that. (laughs) No, I love it. It was just, it was so perfect. It was like, oh man. Um, so um, Jack and Maggie are the kids, right? Mm -hmm. And um, Maggie drove me nuts. I couldn't stand Maggie. Is it because she talked like a baby the whole time? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, and I actually wrote that down because I don't think it was so much her performance. I don't think it was the actress. I think it was her dialogue because she's like, you're a bad man and you don't have a mommy. And I was like, you're like nine years old or something and you should be, or no, she's probably like seven. But it, it was enough where it was just like, it was really irritating. And every time she came on screen, I'd be like, I don't like there's something about this child that drives me nuts. And I think the actress was totally fine, but the dialogue was like just cringy and it was awful. And every time she said mommy, I was like, please don't, don't. Well, (laughs) I
0: actually totally agree with you. And I think that they should have just left her out entirely because she disappears for a lot of the movie anyway. And then this poor girl has to live with the fact for the rest of her life that, Her dad saved them because he remembered when Jack was born and that was his happy place. Like it was like the movie forgot there was a little girl and Peter Pan forgot he had a little girl. And the whole movie was about Jack's journey to like forgiving his dad and loving his dad again. And Peter's journey of like remembering to be nice to his kids and appreciate his family and all that. And I... Was like what like for a lot of the movie i thought no one's concerned about where the little girl is where is no. the little girl and i know why they didn't even need her it could have just no. been jack because his story was strong enough to carry a child story you know yeah
1: and like they had one scene that i guess was supposed to be emotional but i didn't think it was was when um she's singing that song on like the bow of the of the uh deck or whatever. i don't know what that yeah i don't like I don't know ships anyway um, isn't the ship like the ship is the Jolly Roger right yeah I yeah think so <laughs> um, so she's like on the ship whatever and she's singing that song and he's like oh you know our mom used to sing that to us and that was really kind of like the only emotional connection that she had in the film but other than that you're totally right like other than You know there's a scene where they're in the net and she's like mommy could reach for us mommy could do it and and, you know and, and but she like you know hook is so intent on bringing jack into his circle and trying to convince him to be more like him and less like his father that maggie's like not even in the parts where they're like destroying the clock she's not she's really just like and she's stubborn and she kind of fights against hook which would be important if it was the bigger aspect of the story, but it wasn't. So they could have taken that dialogue of her fighting against Hook and made him have say it, and it would have had the same effect.
0: Yeah, and they could have easily had somebody else just happen to be singing that song. Yeah, she didn't. So yeah, they I don't even think include it. They didn't yeah. have to include that. Yeah, she doesn't have to be in the movie at all. And in fact, she was barely in the movie. So yeah, yeah. she was uh,
1: It like. It, she was immemorable, but like also really annoying. Like, she was really yeah, annoying. I agree too. I
0: agree that she was annoying. I like, I thought the little boy did a good job. Like, there was something that made me chuckle. And it was when um, Wendy was putting him to bed in the nursery and he had a baseball glove. And she goes, What's this? And he goes, It's a baseball glove. You catch things with it, take hot things out of the oven. Or you could hit your sister with it. And he says it in the same tone of voice as he lists the other things off. And it it was, it was like a good, it was a good performance because it was subtle, like brother sister humor, which is, you know, it's pretty basic, but it's still, I
1: liked his delivery. I thought he did a good job. No, he was good. Jack was good. And and I liked Jack and I thought that the actor that played him was good too. Um, But yeah, Maggie, I could have, I could have done without Maggie. I thought she was irritating. I yeah, I agree with you. I, I totally really did care about her. I was yeah. like, mm. so um, I'm glad that you agree with me because I felt kind of bad because she was a child. But I was like, don't like her. What can I say? You no, know?
0: I I agree. I I think the movie would have been like the thing is the movie could have been you would have the same basically the same movie without her.
1: Yeah, like exactly. if you just cut
0: the, cut her out and didn't change the movie at all, it would be the same movie. That's how little of an effect she had.
1: Yeah. But there
0: is something that I wanted to talk about that sort of coincides with the kids. And it's something that I find super odd in life as well as in this movie. So they first get to Wendy's house and Wendy says to them, welcome to my house. There's only one rule. Stop growing up. Stop right now. Don't grow up. And that bothers me. That's one of my pet peeves because recently somebody like somebody I follow on Instagram Uh, She has a little baby and she posted a a video of like a little montage of baby videos. And the background music was this like terrible country song where he's like, well, don't ever grow up. You're my little girl. Don't ever grow up. And I can't for the life of me fathom why any parent or any person would tell a child to stop growing up (laughs) unless they were going to murder them at that moment.
1: I have a relevant story to that, actually. It's kind of funny because, um, so last night was my mom's birthday, so I went over there to, uh, to celebrate, and um, my cousin called with, you know, her little baby, Talia, Laurel called with Talia, and uh, my mom was like, Talia, don't grow up, because Talia's almost two, and she's like, don't grow up, don't grow up, and Laurel goes, stop telling her that. I want her to grow up. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I think that's so strange. It's bizarre. And it's it's like, you know, I think Larelle wants her to grow up so she can stop like worrying about every little thing because she's still really like, I mean, she's a toddler and toddlers get into all sorts of stuff because they don't understand what, da- like what real danger is, you know? And, um, and so you constantly have to be watching them. And she's just like, like, she was asking my mom, she's like, well, what'd you do today? And my mom's like, well, I went for a walk and I read and, and my... And Laurel goes, man, I would love to read a book, <laughs> <She's> <laughs> like, but she can't, because she's got a little kid, and I mean, Talia's the most precious thing in the world. She's so cute, but I, like, it, it's it's funny that you said that, because that's, it's just like, I, I agree with you. I don't, like, well... Uh, I just don't... I can't fathom it. I think that there's
0: subtext in the movie about, like, don't become an insufferable ass like your dad became, <laughs> Yeah. but don't grow up is not the way to go about that. Like, you no. could say, okay, there's only one rule in my house. Every day is an adventure. Okay? Solved, you know? Right. But I just... The sentiment of not wanting... A kid to grow up, it like tainted the rest of the movie for me because I was like, why would you ever say that? And I don't mean any disrespect towards your mom. Cause I think she was saying it lovingly. No, no, she was. Yeah. <laughs> but I just think that's such, I just, I don't un- I honestly don't understand it. I don't understand it.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I've, I've always kind of thought that Peter Pan is a allegory for death. Oh uh, yeah. I think that it's you, you go to another world and you stay the same age that you were when you left the real world and everything is fun and everything is exciting and you get to live without any parents and do whatever you want and, you know, eat whatever you want. And it's all about your imagination and and you get to hang out with all your friends and they're all the same age as you. And there's even like a, I think there's a line in like the J.M. Barry play where he says something like death would be an awfully big adventure. So there is like a lot, there's a lot of references to dying in the actual play. Hmm. And um, I, I don't know, to me, I've always kind of associated the two that like death, and not growing up are kind of like combined into one, especially in this play. Um, Because, you know, as soon as, as you, you reach the real real world, it's like suddenly like everything you knew is different and you're in a cold, dark place and you don't, you know, like, like you don't have the comfort that you did in Neverland where it's always warm and bright and sunny and, and it's just like, it's kind of just sad. You know, it's, I, I never really thought that the Peter Pan story was a particularly happy one. I said that it had a very sad, just a very sad aspect to it because I think that Peter is a very lonely character despite being surrounded by people. I think that he's desperate for love and affection and I'm talking about the original, original story, but, um, I mean it plays into this one because it's still based on the original story, and I think that it, it, he he wants like a mom he wants love and he doesn't have that, but he's like this extraordinary little boy who can like fight and fly and dance and create and and, and it's and it's like it's like what every child wants to be until they understand the the emotional impact of not having that family and that love to keep you warm. You know what I mean? And it's, it's just a very, like, to me, it's just very sad, you know? So that's interesting.
0: That's interesting. I've never thought of it from that perspective, but it's, yeah,
1: it's, yeah, yeah. It is, it is sad. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know, I mean, I think that in, I think even in the play, and I'm kind of just I'm going on what I remember from <laughs> the movie Finding Neverland because I haven't seen the Peter Pan cartoon in like probably since I was a little kid. Um, but in um, in that, I think that he wanted a mother. I think that was one of what is the, one of the things that he wanted, and he told Wendy that he wanted a mother, and he, I think he even asked her like, "Would you be my mother?" And so she kind of took over that role for everyone, and so it makes sense. As to why he would have a mother type relationship with Wendy. And that's why I really fucking hated that they added like a weird romantic aspect to it. When I didn't think that there should have been one. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. I I agree with you. Because it it, it it was more innocent than they portrayed it in this movie. Yeah. And Gwyneth, young Gwyneth Paltrow played young Wendy.
1: Which was kind of
0: surprising.
1: Yeah. I thought I was like, what did you know that Glenn Close is in that movie? No, she is the, she's a very small part. She is the bearded pirate that gets stuck into that, um, that chest with the two scorpions in it. Really? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I know. I did not know that. Yeah. Isn't that funny? That
0: is pretty funny. And Pete and Phil Collins is in it. I thought that was Phil Collins. He's the the police inspector. inspector? Oh my gosh. I looked it up. I just looked it up very briefly and I didn't see his name. And I thought, how am I imagining Phil Collins? That doesn't happen every day. That was
1: totally Phil Collins. I thought so.
0: I thought so. Yeah. I actually like, I appreciate Peter Pan also as an allegory for like, if you, there's a risk. At grow- There's a risk when growing up that you'll stop seeing life as an adventure. And yeah. kids see life as an adventure, so you want to keep that spirit alive. But this movie just... I, di- I, have, a prob- I have a hard time seeing Robin Williams as um, like a romantic adult male and
1: yeah I can understand that
0: I think his best role for me was Goodwill Hunting and I think he was phenomenal in that role and I really bought that he like he played the role of like a grieving spouse who's very wise who helps somebody I think that I could see him in that role but seeing him play a lead that has a romance with even just his wife. I, I find it, I found it really hard to see him as like a married man with children. Mm -hmm. And I, there's something that I just, I couldn't, there's a hurdle that I couldn't get over. And I, I honestly can't put it into words, but it was very awkward watching him that way. And something that I didn't care for was that they spend most of the movie trying to remind him that he's Peter Pan and to find that spark in him again. And then when he finds it, he like totally reverts to like a very childish person instead of having like the power of both worlds. Yeah. And I didn't care for that. Like, why is it one extreme or the other? And I mean, he sort of finds it. I mean, he finds it. He finds a way to balance between the both. But like, I feel like the climax should have been he finds his childish spark again but it only makes him more powerful because he keeps his adult like power as well right but instead he starts like talking to himself talking about himself as a third person and he's like a kid again and i and he forgets that he has kids and i'm like well how do you explain to a grown man who's now a child that he has kids and i didn't think that worked for me i would have liked it better if he was like I remember how to have fun. I remember how to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, I agree. Like even at the end when he returns home, um, he like is, is like digging around in the backyard, like on his hands and knees. It's just stuff that it's like, and he, you know, climbs up like the, the water spout or whatever to like get to the top. It just, it's just stuff where I was like, you can't knock on the door. You know what I mean? Like it was, I, I, I agree with you. It was like an extreme that I felt there should have been a nicer balance there. And there wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So that was something that maybe almost he was miscast. I don't think he was, but I think he was at the same time. And it's very hard to explain my reasoning. Cause I can see how his goofiness would lend itself to, an adult who has to find their childish nature again but at the same time maybe he's too suited for that and that became a problem yeah
1: yeah he i think robin williams is such a talented actor um but so i wanted to say actually as far as like seeing him in in a role where he's like a married man with kids uh there's a movie called what dreams may come where he plays the married man with kids and I think you could probably see it a little bit more in that because it feels more organic. Um, that is a beautiful movie, by the way. Oh, I, I've never seen it. I have it. So if you ever want to watch it, or we could review it at one point if you want. Sure. Oh yeah, maybe we'll go Keep getting hired on. I'm pretty sure. Glass <laughs> breaks. Um, so. I, I do agree with you though. And I think that, I think he is a very talented actor and he can do a lot of different roles. Um, he, I think at the same time, I do think he is kind of, or he was, I guess I should say, was kind of pushed into like a certain kind of role where he's a little bit goofier. Um, you know, like, you know, like Patch Adams and, um, Aladdin and then stuff like that but then there's like the movie like Awakenings and he's a doctor in that and he's helping people who are like in a catatonic state and that movie is fucking depressing as hell it is so fucking sad it will make you like you're like hey I want to die a little bit <laughs> Oh geez. and it's just it's. I'm just going to tell you it's an older movie so if you haven't seen it I don't know what to tell you people who are listening but um, it's with Robert De Niro it's like a young Robert De Niro and um he i think has like cat it's i think it's called like catatonic schizophrenia or something like that and they basically are just sitting in these wheelchairs and they just don't move like at all and it's a bunch of people and they the doctors come up with like kind of like a cure but it's um to help these people start living their lives again so they're not catatonic anymore and this is based on what i remember from years and years ago so just go with me but the it's it's not a permanent solution and so they start becoming catatonic again and it's just like watching these people who are like able to suddenly live their lives go and revert back to how they were is just so fucking sad because Jeez, there's that nothing sounds they can really do sad about it. yeah it was a great movie from what I remember um but it was very it was very depressing I've never
0: even heard of it but it does it sounds really sad yeah, yeah. so
1: I, I do agree with you though. I think that, um, I think maybe, I don't know, I don't know if I'd want to recast that role though. I, I really am a big fan of Robin Williams. So for me, that's hard to like see anyone else in that role.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I don't know if anyone could have done it as good as he did it. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I'm just glad you know what I'm talking about. Like seeing him as a family man is, is strange.
1: Yeah, but I 100% agree with you on Julie Roberts. I could have not. I, you know, I really wish they hadn't included the scene where she became life size like that. I didn't care for (laughs) it. They weirded me out, creeped me out.
0: It's just, I think it's taking too many liberties. Like I said, cut out like 45 minutes, and I think the movie could have been really fun. Like, I didn't care about the baseball game that Captain Hook had Jack play. I thought that was boring. Um yeah. there's a lot of antics, like I I don't know. I there's a lot of antics with the Lost Boys that I was indifferent about. Like I liked the food fight. I thought that was fun where he's learning to use his imagination again. And there's
1: that's my mean, that's like my favorite scene in the entire movie, by the it way. It was that's like one they had a whole scenes.
0: table they had a whole table full of superman ice cream and it made me want superman ice cream so bad
1: All <laughs> right, every time i love that scene it always like i i just love like how he's like there's nothing here and then all of a sudden it was like this like crazy amount of food it's it's like watching it's like watching a food scene in like a studio ghibli movie where you're yeah. like that food's animated, but it looks so good. Like I need eggs and bacon now. The yeah. bacon looks so tasty. Every time I watch Howell's Moving Castle and Howell's Cooking Bacon, I'm like, man, I really want that freaking bacon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. um I
0: yeah. We watched. What did we watch? Spirited Away. I think where her parents are like eating like pigs. Uh-huh. And even her parents like eating like pigs. I was like, I'd eat those dumplings. <laughs> it was like good. <laughs>
1: I know. I
0: love it. Yeah. But him and Rufio getting like a insult battle. And one of the insults stuck out to me and it was nearsighted gynecologist. And I don't know how that's like an insult. But he's like, when I was a kid, I would not have known what a nearsighted gynecologist was. (laughs) but
1: Someone who needs glasses when they look at vaginas, apparently. But they wouldn't. (laughs) I
0: don't think they would. Because if you're nearsighted. Oh, I guess they just had to get really close to it. So maybe that's.
1: Yeah. Why they would know. want glasses. I don't know. Um, so oh, like, I, I, I have ahead. a question for you. Yeah. Do you think Neverland is in a different planet? It has to
0: be because they had like three moons. Okay. So it's not Tatooine. I've deduced that. It's not Earth. It's some, nope. yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be a different planet because second star to the right, I mean, from Earth, yeah. planets look like stars and straight up. And then, yeah, they get to there, they get there and it's, Obviously,
1: land. Yeah, like three moons. Yeah. Okay, I was just curious as to what you thought I think it's.
0: A, I actually think it. It might actually really be a star. Now that I'm like, for semantic reasons, I don't think it's necessarily a planet. I think it's a star with livable land and water. So maybe more like a planet <laughs> than a star. <laughs> so not like a star at all. Pretty much. <laughs> so it's a planet. <laughs> Yes, I think it's a planet. And it you has know, three moons. a star moons. is
1: like a gaseous ball of oh. like fire, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yes. You stepped on that. You'd be dead in an instant. Yes. Oh. You'd probably die long before you got there, actually. I was going to say, like,
0: <laughs> it's probably so far away. Yeah, straight until morning. What are they? Are they flying at the speed of light? Come on. No, no, yeah, I think it's a different planet for sure. I'm not sure why it needed three moons. i don't know either but i I think it's just like in 1991 they were like the the effects guy said to steven spielberg he said mr spielberg here's neverland with one moon and steven was like that's good and he goes but wait here's two moons and steven was like well george lucas already did that and so the effects guy was like you didn't let me finish I'm putting in another moon. moon. And <laughs> and Steven Spielberg was like, yeah, okay, let's go with that. Like, I
1: don't think his mind was blown. Brilliant. I think he just was like, okay, three moons. And, uh, yeah. It's just that everyone was like a, a cocaine in the 90s. <laughs> You're in like, the 90s? In the 90s, right? Or was yeah. that the 80s? I, I thought know. it was
0: the 80s. But I think
1: it's the, I think Wasn't
0: the 90s like everyone was on ecstasy, maybe? Oh, everyone
1: was on ecstasy, yeah writing you know i really like sexualized what (laughs) that's why it was so sexualized yeah was on ecstasy and tinker like you're looking good in that suit i want to feel this suit it's wow this is so soft (laughs) (laughs) i've never been on ecstasy but i imagine it could be fun time (laughs) depending on who you're with yeah yeah going to a club
0: um i really liked hooks double cigar like
1: Wanna be Well, anyway, <laughs> what? I really liked Hook's
0: double cigar. I thought that was a fun touch. He had like a, cig- a cigar holder, but it held two cigars. So he was smoking two cigars at once, effectively. <laughs> I thought that was fun.
1: Did you notice when he was sitting down in his chair that he had like five mirrors that all looked at him? They were all focused on him? I don't know if I did notice that, but th- <laughs> that tracks. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He's a I great love- character. I loved his room. Like, I loved the bed that, like, went down from the ceiling to the floor. Like, he was just so fabulous. Like, and all the, the, um, and then when, like, Smee was putting away his boots and he had, like, 20 pairs of, like, the same boot.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I thought that was really funny. And I liked how, um, I liked how Peter, like, took his wig off. Mm -hmm. Like, Peter took Hook's wig off and he's just, like, balding and sad looking without his wig.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, did you think that Hook had like an interesting moral code or do you think he was just... I don't know because I, I wrote that down that I thought he had an interesting moral code. Well, in
0: what way are you asking?
1: Um, hold on.
0: Because I thought the storyline was very creative of him
1: doing something
0: different than what he would normally do, or he wanted to make Jack like him.
1: So I wrote down, let's see. I wrote down, um, hooks, interesting moral code because he was like, I'm going to kill the kids. But then he's like, well, then Smee had the idea of like, you could like kind of manipulate them into your side. I don't know how much of a code that is. Um, Like, he clearly has no problem killing people who just oppose him. And there's, like, that one scene where he, like, shoots at something and then kills that guy that's, like, right behind it, which I also laughed at. (laughs) It was, like, so dark. (laughs) That scene was he, like, shoots at something and the guy behind him just keels over and I fucking burst out laughing and I was, like, that's so dark. (laughs) This movie was actually very
0: refreshing because it had some, like, realistic murdering in it. And I, I just, I find that whenever I see a movie that just has like killing, like action that involves killing, I feel like that gets more, that's getting more rare as time goes by. And it, and it kind of feels like if you're talking about a pirate, that's more accurate that they would just kill because pirates were not like. Pirates aren't like Johnny Depp. Like pirates no. are really nasty. Like they're rapists and they're oh, murderers yeah. and they're thieves. So for Hook to have any sort of moral code, I think would be abnormal for a pirate. Right. But so, but I like so I liked that he just killed um indiscriminately in yeah. some ways. And I think that, that that's a good I think that's a good little tidbit to put into a movie um because
1: of that reason. Right. So <laughs> It seems to me like he became a little bit attached to Jack. Yeah. Like emotionally attached mm-hmm. to him. Um, he liked having a protege. Yeah. Right. And again, like what, what was going on with Maggie? We didn't even see her during that time. So mm-hmm. that's not important. Whatever. Who knows? Yeah. Who, who, care, who cares about Maggie? <laughs> <laughs> Maggie. Maggie. Um, I call her Maggie. Meh. <laughs> Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Amanda, I've been watching a lot of Nurse Jackie, and and Peter Facinelli, that's the actor that plays Mike Dexter, and can't hardly wait. Um, is like the goofiest, most idiotic character, and you kind of can't help but like love him, but also you want to punch him in the face. Nice, nice. But anyway, that's off topic. Yeah. But, um, I'm almost done with that show. By the way, I binge watched the shit out of it. I will be <laughs> done next week, <laughs> for sure. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I I think he kind of had an interesting moral code. I wouldn't say it's very complex by any means. Um, I think that he definitely got a little bit more attached to Jack, uh, but it was really only to piss Peter off. It wasn't because he loved him, you know? So, I don't know. He's he's very vain for what he is, you know? Mm -hmm. And he likes the nicer things in life, you know? And like, I love, I love like the, one of my favorite parts is when he's about to walk down the stairs and he goes to me, where's the red carpet? <laughs> like, I do love, so I'm offended. <laughs> There's that red carpet for him to walk down, you know? I,
0: yeah. I think he's a great character. And I think like vanity and liking the finer things are perfectly in line with a pirate captain because what else, what else would motivate them to become pirates, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of pirates, uh, historically were, um, like freed slaves that were just trying to make a living, yeah. So, <laughs>
0: interesting, I didn't know that. That's, yeah. that's
1: interesting, yeah. Um, because what else do you do during that time, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like being a woman. Like, what are you going to do? Be a prostitute? That's pretty much it. Good luck. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's pretty sad. Go forth. Don't die. Don't get syphilis. You know? Like, <laughs> shit. Jeez. <laughs> oh <geez>. oh <sighs> my gosh. I know. <sighs> oh boy. Why yeah. Running around. <laughs> 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 that was a big problem. I um, think there's
0: a drunk history, and I think it's about Al Capone. Did he get yeah, syphilis? He did. And I like how there's a scene where his friends are like, why don't you just take this shot of penicillin? And he's like, no, I don't need it. And they're like, it's just a little shot. It'll be fine. And he's like, no, no, no.
1: And like, they could have fixed his syphilis, but he wouldn't like yeah he like hated needles or something and so he just yeah i don't know if he died from it but that's shit like will fuck you up yeah, it like, makes you go crazy and it like rots off your nose oh yeah it's, it's messed yeah. up yeah <sighs> there's a movie with johnny depp called the uh libertine yeah and he, and he has did you ever see that i yeah. saw parts of it because it it was on when i worked at the
0: theater so i would walk in and see bits and pieces of it um yeah i, think I own it
1: if you ever want to watch it so eh, i don't know it's
0: uh, it doesn't I might, have, really I might have, like, have sold it. I don't know. I can't. Yeah. I, have I think a list I was intrigued. Somewhere. I was intrigued by it because it was a costume drama, which I really mm-hmm. like. But I think that the subject matter seemed like kind of like gross and uninteresting. It was. I know that sounds weird, but didn't um in uh what's that movie with Orlando Bloom about the Crusades?
1: Oh, that really terrible one with Ava Green. Um, yeah. Kingdom of Heaven. Did did her brother
0: have syphilis or did he have leprosy in that movie? He had leprosy. Okay. Leprosy sounds terrible as well. Yeah. I think it was um, played by
1: Edward Norton. It was so unfortunate because that cast had so many great actors in it and it was just an awful movie. Like, yeah. I think I saw it twice and both times I was like, I fucking hate this movie so much. Yeah. Why and did I, I watch it again? <laughs> I think it was like visually
0: very pretty and that that's what encouraged me to watch it because I was like, I got, I think it's going to be really pretty and it just, it was garbage. Not, yeah, not good. Anyway. I mean, um,
1: my future wife Ava Green's in it, so obviously I had to see it. Actually, I haven't seen a lot of her stuff, but because her stuff is weird, it's like very, it's weird. It's like weird. It's French. <laughs> it's very French. <laughs> it's very very yeah, very French. Yeah, and bizarre. Um, I kind of I have to say one thing that the croc eating hook at the end I didn't really like that because that croc is dead. So he eats it? Like, he eats what? I, I remember I, just- I remember when I was a kid,
0: the visual of the croc falling over on top of him. But I didn't remember that hook just disappeared. Yeah. So in some weird fantastical twist, the croc sucks hook up into its belly, I guess, even though it's dead. Yeah. yeah I didn't care for that either. But also, I can forgive it because the movie is about, like... Right. It's supposed to be, But I agree with you that it's not a very good ending. Like, I would have rather had it where the croc was still alive and it swam up and ate him instead of the croc being made into a clock tower and then collapsing on him and still eating him.
1: Yeah. If, or if it had collapsed on him and just crushed him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And they, like, and they just saw his feet, like, Wizard of Oz style or something. And that's it. Like, and that, you don't have to make it gruesome. It doesn't need (laughs) to be nasty. You can just be like, oh, he's dead.
0: I really liked how Peter chose the little, um, he's kind of like a little chubby boy Mm -hmm. to be the leader. And I really liked him throughout the movie because he's so cute and he's such a good, like, he's such a good leader and he takes initiative a lot. And so I was really excited that, that Peter chose him and I didn't remember that either. So that was cute. Yeah, Yeah. I
1: agree. I love the look on his face. He's like, (gasps) I know I'm the leader. Oh my gosh. He's so cute. Yeah. I really liked that. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, so, yeah. would you recommend the movie?
0: I don't know if I would right now. Like, to somebody who's never seen it before, I probably wouldn't. To somebody who saw it as a kid, I'd say watch it again because you're gonna catch things that you did not catch as a kid. And but it's very long, um, and I think it's too long. So fifty-fifty would would not recommend. I probably won't watch it again very soon if ever mm-hmm. but I'm not disappointed I didn't hate it I'm not disappointed that I watched it but I think it's fine but it's it's not um it's not a musty how about you yeah
1: um I would say if you're a fan of Robin Williams or Dustin Hoffman absolutely if you're not you could take it or leave it I I, I like the movie again there's a lot of nostalgia in it for me Um, so I, I enjoy, I very much enjoyed watching the movie again, but I agree with what you say as if someone hasn't seen it when they're a kid, it might be kind of like the magic might be lost on them. It's like watching, well, like I know you saw Labyrinth and you liked it as an adult, but it's kind of like that. It's like watching a movie that you loved as a kid. Like I really loved Neverending Story 2, but if I saw that as an adult after seeing Neverending Story 1, which is a great movie, Never Ending Story 2 has issues. But I love Never Ending Story 2 as a kid. So as an adult, I still like it. But if I saw it as an adult, the hadn't seen it as a kid, I probably would not like it. Yep. And that's, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's kind of how I felt about Never Ending Story, actually, because I did not see it as a kid and I saw it as an adult and I didn't like it as much.
1: Oh, you didn't?
0: No. Yeah. Um, I think I'd give it another shot. Like I'd watch it again now. I'm not, totally against it but it didn't have that nostalgia to really push me over the hump of being like yeah I'm not that into it but Labyrinth is a Jim Henson movie so it's like already better you know so I think that's the difference but um yes I think that's a really good point yeah yeah
1: yeah it's I I mean and Sir I
0: mean if (laughs) Nevering Story had Sir I um I
1: don't know if I ever told you the story but there was a where I used to live in, in um right outside of Detroit, there was a little place at the mall where they had all these little puppies and, and my friends and I would go there. And we would play with these puppies. And there was this one like that looked like Ludo from oh. the from Labyrinth. You remember Ludo? Yeah. <laughs> and I wanted him so bad and I knew that if I got him, I would name him Ludo because he was this oh. little fluffy brown, like I don't eat I don't know what kind of dog he was, but he was the cutest dog and I loved him so much. But Aww. No,
0: smell bad. bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's like, my Ludo know. impression. Aww. Smell bad. Yeah. So
0: Thank you, so, Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. Excellent yeah, suggestions. You. Yep. I really I think you, you give good ones.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm giving uh, a thumbs
0: up like you can see me, but <laughs> we're just audio.
1: So I know. <laughs> I do that stuff too. I'm like, it's about this size. And yeah. It's like, oh, right. You can't see what I'm. Doing. Yeah.
0: And we are starting something new. This is pretty exciting. We have gotten so many suggestions that were scheduled out through like the first week of March 2021. So that's pretty cool. And we decided to implement something that should be kind of exciting for you guys too. If you want us to review your movie, please go to iTunes and give us five stars and write a review with the movie you would like us to go over in that review. And what that does is that really helps us to get five stars, puts our name out there, and it will prioritize your review. So we will put your review at the top of the list if you leave it on iTunes with five stars. We still will honor email or social media requests we just will put those they they won't be prioritized so we'll get to them probably eventually but not as quickly as we'll get to the review one so this will be a fun way for you to get our show out there and also just a fun way for you to hear a movie that you want us to cover so head on over to iTunes and leave us five stars write a review with the movie you'd like us to do and we will be happy to add it to the list starting in March 2021
1: um okay so anyway you can follow us on instagram at watchers of movies you can follow us on uh facebook at watchers of movies we have a website that's watchers of movies.weebly.com we are on itunes we're on spotify we are on um stitcher and google play um did i forget soundcloud SoundCloud, that's right. Yep, yeah, that's that's right. Uh, we also have another Instagram where I occasionally post funny things that are related to movies, and that's called um, the Watchers movie. Who Find Things. <laughs> Watchers Who Find Things. Why do I always forget what that's I called? I don't
0: know. I don't know.
1: <laughs> and thank you to Mike for our theme music. You can find <laughs> him on Twitter at. at the- <laughs> You can find him
0: on Twitter at the Mike Show 42. His name is Mike Myers. Thank you, Mike. Thank
1: you, Mike. Okay, so we should say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.